Hey, it's Andrew, and I wanted to thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. Did you know that you can subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast on Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or wherever you get your podcasts to have new episodes delivered to your feed twice a week on Wednesday and Friday? All you have to do is pick up your phone, navigate to your podcast app, and search for Door County or Door County Pulse podcast and click subscribe. If you're a longtime listener or if this is your first episode, we hope you enjoy the Door County Pulse podcast. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast, where each week we talk with the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse about the stories you can find in this week's issue. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Miles Stanhausen, writer and editor for the Peninsula Pulse. How's it going, Miles? It's going well, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. A couple things to kind of start with. Um, Everybody's really sore at the office because of Broomball, and uh, (laughs) you are to blame for that by indoctrinating everybody to come in and try it out. I mean, it was was a rough night on the ice last night. There was, uh, the conditions are not superb. And uh, there was a lot of falling. So speaking of getting out on the ice, pond hockey is coming up in, what, a week? Yeah. So this weekend is Fish Creek Winter Festival, and then the pond hockey tournament is the weekend following. And yeah, we've got some kind of major last-second changes going on. Right. So uh, ice conditions have not been ideal this winter. It's been kind of warmer than it has been in the past. So pond hockey is not going to be on Kangaroo Lake this year, right? No. We are... It's, it stinks because it's so beautiful and it's so awesome to be out on Kangaroo Lake for this tournament. But we're a week out. The ice is not setting up out there. The, the kind of like freeze and thaws we've had have been really bad, not just in terms of getting a thick base of ice, but about like there's ice forms, then there's <clears throat> water and snow over that ice, then another layer of ice, and then water and snow. So it's all this kind of weird, funky ice out there, and it's just... Not only is it not going to be playable, it's just not going to be safe for people to be out there. Right. So we are moving it to the Sister Bay Sports Complex. Okay. How does that change things in terms of number of teams or number of rinks or that kind of stuff? Well, we'll be dealing with slightly smaller rinks than we usually make and fewer of them. But so we'll have six rinks that we're building up in Sister Bay at the Sports Complex where they normally have the pleasure rink and then the, the regular ice hockey rink that they have there. So we're going to create six rinks, and the nice thing in Sister Bay is they do have lights all set up around the the ice rink there, so we can play through the evening. Normally on Kangaroo Lake, our last game starts around 2.30 because the sun sets, as we all know, a little early. But up there, we can play through 9.30, 10 o'clock at night if we need to, and that's the plan. So the games will be a little more spread out. If you are going on at any given time, there should be five to six going on at any moment. Um, but it's safer to put the tents there and to bring that many people, obviously, onto dry land versus onto the onto an iffy lake. Right. We'll still have uh, beer, brats, food, everything, merchandise for sale. We're still looking for a few volunteers, so if anybody out there maybe wants to come and help us uh, with scorekeeping, that'd be great. And, you know, it's a bummer that we aren't in Bailey's Harbor where the community has supported it so much over the years. But we will still have our team check-in on Friday night at Door County Brewing Company. and But then the tournament will be in Sister Bay. It's only about 10 minutes away. Most of our teams already have their lodging in Billy's Harbor, so I'm sure they'll be spending a lot of money in town. Right. Um, and Sister Bay has been great so far with us, uh, helping us adapt to this and, and make it work. And that 
that cooperation between communities is awesome to see. Cool. Yeah, it, it's great that even in the light of the conditions not being safe, the event is still able to go on and there's some flexibility in that way. Yeah. So. Our founder, Brian Fitzgerald, is working his tail off with Cody Bolton up in Sister Bay and a lot of other guys to to make this thing happen. Yeah. Has the has the process shifted in any way in terms of uh, when they're actually going out and creating the rinks and that kind of stuff? Or are we looking at more of a compressed production schedule it, it, in that it actually, it, it gives you a little more, um, in a year when you have like the, the iffy ice, which is just about every other year for us, um, and when that happens, there's a lot of, you got to wait and watch weather a lot more if you're doing it out on the, on the water. So it actually gives us a little more flexibility, um, a lot less space. So we'll, we'll figure it out. I'm confident we've had some pretty iffy situations that we've been able to plow through in the past and we'll figure it out this time but yeah it's going to be an interesting week yeah uh speaking of conditions on the ice and events Winterfest is this weekend as well in fish creek yeah Uh, is the the ice levels over on the bay side any better than they are over on the lake no i mean big water is always a little more challenging um in some years they've been able to put tents out on the bay but the last few years, they just put it on the tent out in Clark Park. It's been a great time. I I usually go down there every year, check it out, taking some music, eat a lot of chili, a lot of brats, and see a lot of friends. It's it's kind of cool going down there and, and just seeing all the locals get out, um, especially a lot of them that you, you know you kind of forget they were here and oh you're you're coming out of your house for this weekend. This is great. Right. Bike toss. I think on the cover of this week's issue, we actually have the uh, a big old picture of uh, the bike toss. All the Funky stuff that they do at Winterfest is is back again. Cool. I think that that's probably it for events coming up, at least for a little bit, uh, so we can jump into some of the news that's going on. Uh, so first off, in Gibraltar, uh, Chairman Dick Scarry, I, I don't know if you'd say he resigned or he stepped down uh, due to health issues, and uh, somebody has been assigned to fill out the rest of his term, correct? Yeah. So Dick Scarry, he's been the chairman for the last five years in the town of Gibraltar, as they've been working their way through a lot of complicated projects that we have talked about extensively on the podcast. Yeah. But he had some heart issues over the last month and said the doctors just told him, like, it'd be best for you to lessen your stress right now. And so not so much by choice, but he's had to step down and and good for him, take care of himself. Right. He's been a big part of the community for three decades, four decades, yeah. um, going back to the when they founded the sanitary district in the town of Gibraltar in 1980. For much of the last 25 years, he's either served as a board supervisor or two, two different stints as the board chairman. Um, in the town of Gibraltar, that's a lot of work. Yeah. So there earlier this week, on, on Monday, they had a special town board meeting. The other board supervisors elected Steve Soans, another longtime board member, to take his place in the chairman's position. And then over the, the next week, they're going to take letters of interest to fill what's now Steve Soane's vacant supervisor position. Right. Any way that this is going to impact things moving <clears throat> forward? When was Dick Scarry's seat up for a vote anyway? Uh, a year from April. So okay. he had another year and a couple of months to serve out. Same thing with Steve Soane's open seat. So whoever gets appointed, Steve will have that chairman's position through next year. And then... His whoever takes his seat would have that seat for like the same period, and then they'd be up for re-election. As far as what it means, it remains to be seen how how the town will run or what it means for any of the projects going forward. Like I said, 
Town governments, and particularly the town of Gibraltar, puts a lot of responsibility on the board. Other communities, town of Liberty Grove, also a town, statutorily, it runs the same way, but they have had a, a very strong um, kind of town manager position in place there for several years with Bud Calms. He's been there a long time, but he's kind of served more as a manager as government has gotten more complicated in the last 10 to 20 years. You know, mid-1980s, a lot of these towns could run pretty easily without a lot of staff. But with the number of development issues, zoning issues, water quality issues, stormwater runoff issues, road upkeep, I mean, things have just gotten so much more complicated, even for small-town government, that most towns have turned to a town manager or small villages have turned to an administrator. So town of Gibraltar doesn't have either of those positions. So a lot more goes on the supervisor. Maybe they'll rethink that. Maybe Steve Sones will kind of run that town differently. Remains to be seen. Cool. One thing that I just thought about, um, as we, you know, as we've been coming into work for the last couple of days, there's been construction in Bailey's Harbor. <laughs> and we had talked maybe two weeks ago, uh, you wrote an article as well about the big black power poles in Fish Creek. I Maybe I just zoned out or didn't read the article closely. I did not know that those big black power poles were coming to Bailey's Harbor <laughs> as well uh, on their tour of Door County. And uh, I saw them for the first time today, and they're uh, kind of hard to miss, and it's, it's kind of weird. Maybe I just you know need to get used to them and they'll fade away, but maybe they won't. And in a town like Bailey's Harbor where everything is so compressed, you really see them uh, quite visibly. So just, you know, I just thought about that as, as, as I was driving around today. To, in Fish Creek, I don't notice it because I don't go through Fish Creek all that much. But now in Bailey's Harbor to see them every day, who knows if I'll get used to it or if every day I'm going to be like, wow, look at those power poles. Yeah. Well, I've always talked, as we've talked about before, people in Fish Creek aren't really happy to see those. Um, now, they had a chance to weigh in and um, support paying to bury them in, in Fish Creek. And just nobody really advocated for that very strongly. On the flip side, the town really didn't put that out front and center either. It costs a lot to bury power poles. So Fish Creek decided not to. Sister Bay decided to spend the money to do that. Egg Harbor looks like they're going to spend the money to bury them. Bailey's Harbor, it hasn't been on the docket. And what this project that you're seeing here is Wisconsin Public Service is going through and upgrading their electrical or their, their grid throughout the peninsula. They have replaced believe it be in the thousands of poles now, even yeah. on back side r- rural roadways. <laughs> hate saying the word rural. <laughs> um, but now everyone's going to make fun of me for that. Thanks a lot. Have you ever tried to say rural and brewery together? Not even going to try it. That'd I've heard that that's one of like the, the hardest things to say <laughs> is rural brewery. You should, you should open one up. We'll name it that and just see if nobody ever comes. No one will come in because they can't even say it. it. They don't They're even like, want hey, to tell people go where to, they're uh, Never mind. I can't even say Yeah, let's just go down to Husby's. Right. (laughs) Is this the project that's been going on for a couple of years now? Several years. Yeah, that's what I've been seeing over the last couple of years is them replacing these power poles every couple of weeks. And I've talked to folks at WPS and also Spectrum Communications. Essentially, what they're doing is going through, upgrading their grid, and this does a few things. There's new lines, they're taller poles, and they're stronger poles. And it's kind of like how they've laid out the wires on those poles. You'll see that there's kind of these wider bands at the top, so they're farther apart. Um, my understanding is this makes them less susceptible to power outages. Um, so you should see fewer 
power outages in the county and then for fewer lengths of time. I think that from what I'm told, they're they're a little bit easier to repair when something does happen. Okay. And just by virtue of being higher up in the air, there's not as many branches that might fall on them or, or things that could happen to those poles. The black ones in particular, I had to ask specifically about this, like why, why the black power poles? Um, those, I guess, are because they're made of fiberglass, you don't need the guy wires. So what those guy wires are are those wires that go down to the ground with the yellow um, plastic around them and that you'll see along the sidewalk in a lot of areas. They tend to have those guy wires. Like every, I've been driving around trying to see how many poles have those. It seems like it's like every third pole generally has those. Mm-hmm. That stabilizes that telephone pole and I, I think actually helps to stabilize the surrounding poles that don't have those wires. So by putting in these fiberglass poles, they don't need that. So if you have a small space or... You have a property owner where it really intrudes on their property. You can just put the pole in without those wires. They're Obviously, they're brand new in Door County. Town of Gibraltar actually paid for a chunk of those poles. Bailey's Harbor, when I talked to local officials, when we saw those poles show up, that's when they found out that there were those poles. Huh. So the town chairman, Doug Smith, um, Supervisor uh, Bobby Schultz, both told me that they knew nothing about it until those started popping up. So I'm kind of surprised that WPS wouldn't call the, the town at some point and say, right. we're coming through with this project. By chance, do you guys have any inclination of burying your poles at some point? Or would you like us to stick with the wooden ones instead of the black ones? Does it I'm co- surprised that never came up. Yeah, because it probably costs more to use these big black ones, right? My hunch, yeah. So I guess the big question is... Uh, Fish Creek and Bailey's Harbor, by getting these big poles, does that lock us into, like, we're going to have these big poles for 10 years? Or can the town decide to bury them whenever they want? I'm, I mean, I'm <laughs> sure a town can can decide to bury them. What you, unfortunately, if, and this is maybe partially a WPS problem, maybe it's a town problem for not responding, maybe it's a, you know, WPS has had this project going on for a while, you'd be you'd have to have your eyes closed to not see that they were replacing every pole in the county, so the towns maybe would have wanted to get ahead of the game on this, but that didn't happen, and now you have that. And down in Sturgeon Bay, years ago, I, I, they, it still hasn't faded to the background for me of what WPS did down there, whereas you enter Sturgeon Bay along the main highway right after you get into the bridge, the grand entry to Northern Door, if you will, there's those massive rust-colored poles that they; those are only about ten years old. Okay. And I was surprised when those went in that 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 wasn't a bigger deal. Just because I mean they're just so in your face right. on that stretch. Cool. It makes it even seem more industrial when you enter the county. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One last thing before we jump into our break: um, Nelson's Hardware is expanding. Yeah, Nelson Shopping Center in Fish Creek. Yep. Which when I first wrote the article, I wrote it as Nelson's, like Nelson apostrophe s. And then is it not? I looked closer at the photo that I took, and Alyssa Emke pointed it out. One of our editors said, "I think it's just Nelson." I'm like, "That's that can't be. That would that just seems weird." Then I looked at the photo, and sure enough, there is no apostrophe s. It's just Nelson Shopping Center. Is it the same with the one that was here in Bailey's Harbor? Yes. Okay. And those were this. That, that's the same Nelson, right? Same thing. Just this one closed down, and the Fish Creek one. Yep. Stayed open. Now that one is expanding. So they're expanding that one in Fish Creek, and. It's kind of an interesting peek into how retail works, especially when you're, you're, you're getting kind of mass market products. So Gary Nelson, the longtime owner, told me that lawnmowers, for instance, 
for next year, he has to order those in September of this year. And then he's kind of at the whims of the supplier at when they show up. So yeah. they might show up in December. They might show up in March. But he's got to have a place to put lawnmowers. So in they don't have that at their Fish Creek location. So they've generally stored them in the old location they still own in Bailey's Harbor or patio chairs and tables, things like that, that you have to order far in advance, even fertilizer, yeah, soil, all that stuff. You have to place your orders far in advance and they just show up and you got to have a place to put them. Right. So he, this will add for their storage. It'll kind of consolidate uh, a lot of the work they have to do. And then it also allows them to have some models like put together in the shop. So somebody can come back and it's let, like, let's say you wanted to check out a patio table. They can actually have some space to have it put together for someone to go and see. Right. For the average shopper, from what they've said, it's probably not going to change a lot of the store that they see. And then it, from the people outside, like driving past it, you won't see a lot because it's off the backside of the hardware store. But they're adding about a little more than 8,000 square feet off the backside of that building. They have to go to Town of Gibraltar, falls under conditional use permitting, which goes to the county. And so it actually will get approved by the county resource planning committee. But the Town of Gibraltar approved it all with no conditions. So I would imagine it will fly through. Cool. Um, one more thing. The Nelson Nelsons thing. That is the Mandela effect. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> no. Okay, so the Mandela effect is uh, a, a, it's a term for a, a weird phenomenon where people remember things differently than they actually were. And lots of people remember them all the same way. It's named after uh, the idea that there's a ton of people who think that Nelson Mandela died in prison. Like they all remember those news stories, but of course that didn't happen. So it's hmm. called the Mandela effect. The thing that kind of put it in the mainstream or at least introduced it as a really big thing to my generation is um, the, you know, the kids books about the family of bears. They had a cartoon. They, I, I don't want to say the name because that'll, that'll spoil it. But uh, it was the blank bears and the blank was also a B word. They had cartoons and there were songs about them, the picture like books. The Barrington Bears? Close, Yes. So I remember those books as the Berenstein Bears. Oh, yeah. Right? That's how I remember. Yeah. Berenstein Bears, right? It, you can hear the song in your head, right? It's actually Berenstain, S-T-A-I-N. Huh. And if you listen to the song, it's Berenstain. But tons of people remember it very vividly as Berenstein. And you can even imagine, like, the cursive writing, S-T-E-I-N. Wow. But that is not... That huh. is not what it is, Berenstain. And when people realize that, they're like, wait a minute, why do we all remember this as being Berenstain, but it's not? It's the Mandela effect. It's just this weird phenomenon that happened. Nelson's would be the same thing. I had it with good egg. I thought it was good eggs for years with an S at the end, but I guess I'm wrong. Wait a minute. There's no S at the end? There's no S. At, it's good egg, not good eggs. Man, you're blowing my mind today. Why don't we jump into our break and we will be back uh, in just a minute. They call themselves the Stradivarius Builders of Sturgeon Bay because the guys at Palmer Johnson were artists in wood and metalwork, anything you imagine. They did it so beautifully well. The first fishermen came down the lake from Mackinac Island or worked their way along the north shore of Lake Michigan, and they came because of the whitefish. The whitefish were abundant. In 1945, 2,000 German prisoners of war came to Door County and picked cherries for just one harvest season. 
Peninsula Filmworks is dedicated to telling the stories of Door County, past, present, and future. To learn more about the history of shipbuilding in Sturgeon Bay, to see how the cherry became a Door County icon, or to watch the peninsula's last remaining fishermen brave the waters to haul in thousands of pounds of whitefish daily, and the many other incredible stories produced with the Door County Visitor Bureau, visit doorcounty.com slash ourdoorcounty. Okay, we are back. So uh, you looked it up over the break, and it's good eggs with an yep, S. Yep, there's an S. I swear it's good egg. Here, here's uh, here's the logo. Huh? Maybe you're just thinking of the phrase. Maybe the Mandela effect happened again, and it swapped again. <laughs> All right, why don't we jump into uh, our last story, our feature this week? There's a proposal for Egg Harbor condos. You haven't given me any more information than that, so I'll let you surprise me with uh, the new condos that are coming to Egg Harbor, potentially. I think that's all the information we should give to our listeners and just see where they go with it. Cool, just, yep. Hey, condos in Egg Harbor. You got, and nice. you have to guess where. Yeah. So and we'll talk to you next an week and see if you figure it out. <laughs> they're replacing an existing building, so that'll be the fun <laughs> scavenger. No, tell me about the, the condo proposal. All right, so Miller Brothers gas station has been in the center of Egg Harbor for many years. Actually, I think they've been in business about 52 years. It was originally Herb and Bob Miller. Uh, Herb passed away a few years ago. He had sold out in 2001. In the years since, Bob Miller has run it with his wife, Mary. And even before that, it was Burnshine's uh, gas station way, way back. So that property has always been a gas station and service station. They, the Millers have wanted out of that business for a few years now, and now there's finally a proposal, um, some developers to buy the property and build condos there. Uh, it's a condo retail complex, so it's not just a wall of condos in the center of town. There would be retail on the first floor. Okay. 27 units, and for those unfamiliar, like, with Miller gas station name specifically, just think of the gas station in the middle of Egg Harbor right. across from Shipwreck. So is this is this replacing the gas station or is this the the buildings right next to it? This would be raising all those buildings. There is the kind of like chain looking gas station building there. Yep. Um, there is a barn behind there that was kind of like the body shop for a long time. It's an old red barn. Most people probably don't even see it. And then to the left of the gas station, if you're looking straight at it. There is the old gas station building, which actually at one point was a car showroom where they showed sold Chevy cars. And when I was a kid, it was still like a little one or two pump gas station. Mm-hmm. That's the stone building there. So all of that would come down. What the developers have proposed is then to take either possibly salvaging some of that stone or kind of duplicating the look of that stone on the first floor. So you'd kind of pay homage to the building that was there. And then... They've actually got some really interesting proposals for the parking on it. So you'd have one entrance to the parking lot, but it would actually be like 18 parking stalls underground. Okay. I think it's 18. I might it, top of my head. Um, would that be Door County's first parking complex? No. <laughs> Stone Harbor has a, a parking garage. Oh, okay. Um, the, but it would be parking underground and then some surface lots kind of behind, kind of behind the building. So it wouldn't be like this big parking lot that you'd see in the middle of town. And then they had a proposal for several parking spots in front of the building that would just kind of be angled parking right off the highway. But my hunch is that is not going to be allowed, and they're going back to the drawing board on that already because 
DOT has rules on how many driveways you can have for any property that's on a state highway, and this would be on State Highway 42. And by essentially having like 10 parking spots in front, that's like having 10 driveways right next to each other. Okay. So my hunch is there's no way the DOT would say yes to that. So they're probably going to have to redraw that front and rearrange that parking. Okay. Does this get rid of the gas station? It would get rid of the gas station. Okay. So then your closest gas station from there would be the one kind of between Carlsville and Egg Harbor? The, the one right in the middle of Carlsville, actually. Uh, is it technically? Or, well, I should say that's just, just north of Carlsville. Yeah, I'm talking about the one with the Little Caesars, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, chain restaurant, which shall not be named. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that gas station that was built probably two to three years ago, I would guess that that had a big impact on on the Miller's gas station in the center of town, too. I haven't confirmed that, but just my hunch is that it would. So one of the things, normally when you have a development, on first glance you'd say, like, well, this creates more problems that the town's going to have to try and fix. In some ways, this one, when you think of a gas station, there's people coming and going all the time, cars coming in and out from that location constantly, all day, every day, all year long. So you could make the case that this condo development would actually ease congestion in the center of town because even with 27 units, if all those people came and went multiple times a day, you're still not even coming close to the hundreds that might come and go from a gas station over the course right. of a day. So that that's kind of an interesting side note on this. You're also taking a gas station, which is essentially a chain business, and taking it out of the center of town. But on the flip side... It's also 27 units right in the middle of town. Right. It's a big building. It would go, if you include the basement, it would be four stories, but it would just go up to 35 feet. Is that bigger or smaller than Shipwrecked across the street? That is the exact same height as Shipwrecked. Okay. Um, also the same height as Greens and Grains. Um, I would guess the Crest Pavilion is about 35 feet. Cupola okay. House might be a little taller just by virtue of being grandfathered in. 35 feet is the maximum height. Mojo Rosa is probably a little shorter than that. So... And actually, the, the granary building that's next to it, what's now Door County Nature Works, was once called the granary, was once a granary and lumber yard, used to have a cupola on the back of it that would have been about the same height, too. That, that cupola is no longer there. It's an intriguing proposal. Like the, In this case, you have a family that's been part of the town for a long, long time, basically forever, as far as I am concerned. <laughs> and then... and. You know, they want to get out, and they don't want to run that business anymore, and nobody else wants to get in and run a gas station. They had almost sold that property to One Barrel Brewing Company a few years ago, but couldn't due to parking concerns, and also, I think, lease concerns regarding the gas station. So mm -hmm. this is their way out, and to buy a gas station, just the way the finances work on it, and the economics and the, the, the leases to pay for those gas pumps and everything, there's not many ways you could make that worthwhile without doing some sort of housing development. So it's, right. I can see where they're stuck. The village plan commission seemed to receive it, the idea of it, rather warmly, um, saying, we like the idea. We have a, a lot of questions. There's a lot of things we would like the developers to clean up in the plan before they come back with the for formal approval. So it was kind of sent back to the developers to to make some tweaks, address the parking issues, get clarity on some of those parking issues, and then come back with a, a little more solidified plan for the village to consider. Okay. How many units did you say it was again? 27. Okay. So how 
How much of an economic impact do you think 27 units right in the middle of Egg Harbor is going to have? Well, it depends on how much they sell for. So there's like the property tax impact, which they estimated. They don't have final numbers because without a final plan, you can't really come up with a selling price. Mm. But 200000 on the low end for like a one-bedroom unit and up to seven or $800,000 for their two- or three-bedroom units on the upper floors, all of those units would have access to a um, rooftop deck. Um, which would probably have incredible views, actually. <laughs> and so from a property tax standpoint, that's really significant. You could bring a lot of money in that way. Economically, 27 units is sort of a drop in the bucket when it comes to people in Egg Harbor. There are more hotel units and condo units in Egg Harbor, I believe, than any other community in like the, the village and directly surrounding areas, in part by virtue of the Landmark Resort. So it's not... It's not as if, oh, we build this and now this is a ton more people in downtown. But it is a significant chunk, especially probably on the weekends. Right. These are probably not, not many of them would probably be year-round occupied every day of the week units. It's probably going to be vacation or vacation rental type homes. But I'm, I'm sure it would bring in a fair amount of economic impact. And then the retail stores, one of the concepts that wasn't really closely defined was this idea of a work-live space on the first floor. Okay. So it would be like a 1,500-square-foot apartment that the front, like, 500 feet would be like a storefront. So somebody, like an artist, could live there and have a small storefront space. What you could also envision there, which the town is kind of concerned about, is, all right, maybe I'm a lawyer who just wants to have an office there. I'm open one day a week or maybe one day a month but now I can write off my vacation home as a business expense. Sure. And so you don't actually create that street activity there. You instead, you just have kind of dead space, what they call missing teeth in like a kind of an urban planning standpoint. Right. So they want more active retail. Problem is there's not nearly the demand for active retail that there used to be with people turning to online shopping. Sure. And the fact that Egg Harbor has a ton of retail in the Main Street shops complex and all that. So there's not, that's a, that's one I think a lot of towns will have to think about is there retail demands in an era when there isn't the demand for retail. Right. So, Well, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how this shakes out. Um, thank you, Miles, for chatting with me this week. I think that's all the time that we have for uh, this episode and uh, I'll see you again next week. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks a lot. These stories and more will be available in this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse, available throughout Door County. For more headlines, visit doorcountypulse.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast for your weekly Pulse picks, interviews, and exclusive content from the Peninsula Pulse. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.